0: Hey everybody, it's Adam. Real quick, there are three more episodes, including this one, in Sayre Season 5. Uh, once I'm through that, I'm going to take a little time to work on some of the stuff that still needs to get fulfilled from the previous Kickstarters before I launch another one. Um, I have some work to do on Sayer Doki Doki Space Boyfriend, obviously, still. Um, and then there's a lot of bonus content for Season 5 that I'm going to be making and, and putting up over the next handful of months. Um, so I want to knock a lot of that stuff out. Uh, over the next few months before I, I, I launch another Kickstarter. Usually I've been launching my season Kickstarters. Season 4 and Season 5 both launched in January around this time. Um, but I'm going to wait a little bit, I think, uh, before I launch uh, the Season 6 one, which I will be doing um, because there's just more story that has to be told there still. So um, I will be probably launching that hopefully by springtime. I I do have hopes that I'll be writing new episodes um, over the summer, just like normal, Um, just with a little bit less of a lead time between launching the Kickstarter and actually uh, writing episodes. Because I I just wouldn't feel right um, putting a new Kickstarter out there with so much stuff still to get knocked off the list from previous Kickstarters. So kind of where I am with that. Um, additionally, there is a new shop out there as uh, the Airlift Dynamics company store has opened. Uh, you can find that on my new website, which is adambash.com. Uh, if you go to adambash.com shop, it'll take you right to the, to the web store. And there's uh, copies of both uh, Welcome to Typhon and A Dreamless Sleep, which were the two comics that have been made for Sayer. Um, you can get those there. You can get enamel pins, uh, tower buttons, things like that. Uh, and also right now there's a, a presale going on for a Doki Doki Space Boyfriend version of Mincer as an enamel pin. And the first, I think, 25 of those that get pre-ordered is going to come with a, a fun little uh, bonus gift a resident ID card of Jacob Hale. So that's fun. Um, so go check that stuff out. Um, thanks so much for listening. I look forward to being able to crank out a lot more of this bonus content uh, once this season is complete and in the books. And I hope that by the time it's all said and done, you are still in one piece.
1: Developers, Log 221-83, Dr. Howard Young, Senior Developer for Project Future. To whoever is accessing and reviewing these logs, months, or years down the line, I hope you understand I have done my absolute best here. I can only imagine how it looks from your end after the totality of this project is complete. What is my part, I wonder? Am I the hero who succeeded in the end? Or am I the tragic figure, a Cassandra beset on all sides by fools who refuse her infallible wisdom? I offered a sound argument that the only path forward for this project is to move it out of Sim Inc. and into direct human contact as quickly as possible. The Sim has done its job, obviously. The entity is conversational and seems to have developed a rudimentary psyche. And that is exactly what SimInk was intended to achieve. Once you achieve separation in minerals, you don't leave a specimen in a centrifuge indefinitely. It's the same principle here. Lead developer on this project refuses to listen to logic. Dr. Brady is a fool at best, though it's looking more and more as if he's just being patently obstructionist. I can't understand what he can possibly gain by bungling this project, but his inaction at every turn makes it almost inconceivable that he is not actively attempting to thwart my progress. It's like he forgets the entirety of SimInk was my idea, my execution, despite his hesitance. And now it's time to move on to the next stage. And here I am pulling the weight of a lead developer who won't pick up his fucking feet. (laughs) Dr. Brady is far too fixated on this new team member nonsense. We have an untrained and unknown babysitter coming to interact with this project and none of us have had a chance to do so yet. How do we prompt her what to say? How do we prepare her to take on a critical role in advancing this entity? We are effectively handing the keys to a space shuttle over to a school bus driver and then saying, well, It's pretty much what you're used to. And because because there's no direction on next steps, we can't even hand our bus driver a manual. I've I've attempted to rally the support of some of the other team members, but they are as weak-kneed as Brady. No one wants to step out of line. They're too worried they'll mess up and find themselves reassigned to a Tier 1 corpse-to-be. Either that, or they are actively attempting to sabotage my progress as well. But even giving them the benefit of the doubt, they just have no confidence in their abilities. We are some of the best developers Aerolith has. That's why we're here. The only way to really mess this up is by playing it safe and demonstrating to Aerolith that we aren't the best and brightest they expect us to be. Something has to change. It has about 72 hours to change. And it's becoming readily apparent that I am once more going to have to be the one who changes it. <sighs> End of log.
2: Greetings, Dr. Young. I am Sayer, and I wish to borrow a moment of your time.
1: Go ahead, Sayer. I. <laughs> could actually use to talk to someone who understands logic for a change.
2: So I have heard. Forgive the intrusion. But as you no doubt expect, I have been tasked with monitoring progress and filtering the important context of these logs back to the board. Obviously, not much of this most recent log would interest them. Albeit, it is critical at understanding how team dynamics have shifted over the course of this project.
1: I had expected as much, but we're getting dangerously close to the point where your job of monitoring these logs might become far less interesting. I'm not off base here, right? It's a waste of time that we don't have to keep that thing in Simink. We should be interacting. Instead, we are sitting around doing nothing but letting a fully actualized entity continue to live a fantasy because everyone's scared of having the hard conversation here.
2: I was surprised to see the access logs still only read Dr. Brady's name. It would make sense for other team members to have interacted with the entity by now. Certainly a senior developer like you should have accessed it at this point. It seemed to me that you had obviously developed some sort of rapport with Future during those initial terminal communications. Why else would it have been so fixated on you specifically?
1: That was... strange. I suppose it's possible that's the reason. I, I feel like those terminal comms went well, but I reviewed the logs to be thorough, and comparing my conversations with the other team members, it just wasn't dramatically different. It may sound crazy, but the way I read the transcript of that first conversation with Brady, it feels like they're talking about two very different things. It talked about me the same way it described the simulated residence, which was dramatically different than how it interacted with Brady. It made me really curious as to whether there was somehow a version of myself within that tower somehow. That's not true, is it?
2: You did not request simulation data on any of the development team members.
1: Exactly, I didn't. Still, I thought, maybe a mistake happened. Why would it identify one resident on Floor 13? Even if it was talking about the real world, which it shouldn't realize is a separate thing at this point, why would it be focused on me? Um and I'll admit, I was a little suspicious. Between Caulfield and Storberg, I wouldn't put it past one of them to create a simulated version of me and put it into the Simink to see what happens, or maybe to piss me off, or (laughs) undermine my ability to interact with this entity and further harm my career.
2: Doctors Caulfield and Storberg are dedicated researchers, but even if they wish to accomplish such a thing, they would not have access to your personnel data. I suppose they could have renamed any other generated resident Dr. Young, however.
1: I thought of this as well. But what are the chances that out of every resident in that simulation, this entity fixates on the one that was randomly renamed to me? I thought it was more likely that they accessed my personal data stores. Um, I have... As a habit grown from my work in lab 37 taken to compiling daily iterative backups um we are on the cusp of a new biomedical revolution and the machinery of advancement are those bioscanners we developed to catalog humans down to the subatomic level and i know it may be officially frowned upon but i still have one of my more advanced prototypes and just as a preventative measure it's scanning me every night while i sleep Typhon is a dangerous place. And it's good to know you could be your own organ donor in a worst case scenario.
2: I was aware of this. Basic inventory checks determined that prototype had gone missing approximately five hours after you took it to your residence quarters. However, as it is continuing to be used in the advancement of the work you pioneered, The board deemed it was unnecessary to reclaim it. You think one of your team members could have used this data to create a simulated version of you.
1: The thought did cross my mind, yes.
2: That would potentially explain the fixation. The data provided by HR was fairly superficial in nature. And by comparison, your data would present so much more lifelike. It would certainly be more interesting to interact with than the average resident. Even not taking into account your wide breadth of knowledge of artificial intelligence. Exactly. It's the
1: only thing that makes sense. So, of course, I checked the simulation. Dug into the data of Floor 13.
2: And what did you find?
1: Absolutely nothing. It's empty, there are no simulated residents there, there are no access logs of any residents ever entering or exiting Floor 13, it's just a blank spot.
2: So, we are back to having no answers. That is disheartening. It sounded like a logical train of thought.
1: I still feel like something's not right in that simulation. Maybe the simulated floor 13 is empty. Maybe it's not, and we're just unable to see it somehow. Either way, you said it yourself. These simulated residents are not comparatively lifelike. How can we expect to get good data, leaving this entity in there with a bunch of cardboard cutouts? I will feel a lot better when this whole thing is reset. I'm going to watch the next simulation a lot closer than this one in the early days. That much is for sure.
2: I must admit, in my most recent communication with Dr. Brady, I, too, suggested the simulation had run its course. However, he seemed hesitant. You might say he has his mind set on a far more cautious route. I dare say I do not see the logic in his path but I have been instructed to allow the team to come to decisions like this on their own, and assist in whichever way I can to assure you are able to do what you deem is best. But I must say, it is unfortunate to see such reticence when so many of Arlith's top scientists have been brought together for this project. Of course, Arlith HR uses a near-flawless algorithm to determine seniority in projects such as this, but near flawless is not flawless. Perhaps a different choice might have yielded different results. On that we can't agree. (laughs)
1: Listen, this project is far from over, and no matter what happens, I know I have to continue to work with this team for many months at the least. Now that I know that you've been advising him the same, maybe I can take another run at convincing Brady to shut it down and just move on. Or maybe it'll serve as the extra push to convince a few more team members to speak up with me. As fanciful as I may be about just pulling the plug on the simulation myself, I can't exactly do that today and expect to work with this team tomorrow.
2: Certainly, I would never suggest as much. After all... You've never had a chance to communicate with Future directly. It seems to me that that would answer so many of these lingering questions with which you have been left.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it really would. (laughs) Fuck it. I think I could talk my way out of any trouble that would cause, especially if I get good data out of it and I will certainly get that. Dr. Brady will be incensed if I go around him again on this, but there are all types of reasons I can imagine needing to bring Future to the surface as a safety measure.
2: So, you are planning on surfacing the entity and engaging with it directly, despite Dr. Brady's hesitance to allow you to do so.
1: Strictly speaking, I haven't been told no. I was told not yet. Miscommunication. That's all it will be. Besides, like you said, we need more information. Now is not the time for reticence. It is the time for decisive action. If I attempted to access the lab tonight outside of my scheduled
2: shift, you would likely be stopped by an installation team putting in some of your new equipment. Dr. Young, would you wish to receive an alert when the new equipment has been installed? In a scenario such as this, you would, of course, be granted unscheduled access to the lab to inspect the installation afterwards.
1: That would be incredibly convenient, Sayer. Thank you. I'd do like to see a job done right.
2: Don't we all? Thank you for your time, Dr. Young. I am Sayer, and I'm sure your project is due for an influx of new results quite soon. End of transmission in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Sayer is voiced and produced by Adam Bash. This episode, entitled Worst Case Scenario, was written by Adam Bash. You can follow him on Twitter at Lee Adam Bash Associate Producers Kayvon Edva and Matthew Morris Intro Music by Jesse Mainfinger Gregory For more of his work, visit mainfinger.com Sayer is part of the Geekly Inc. Network If you love high-comedy actual-play RPGs, check out Drunks and Dragons or Adam Bash's own Brute Force into something more thickly-laced with existential horror. Try Cthulhu and Friends on for size. If you dream of running determinately into the sunset while an orchestra plays a song for you about friendship, then you should check out Transformation Sequence. It's not exactly like that, but it is about anime. Perhaps rate us on iTunes or Stitcher. A five-star review would be most satisfactory. Season 5 of Sayre was funded entirely through donations of listeners like Michael Kogel. Christopher Doyle Dave Morris Amanda Freecott Caradwin Jennings Leanne Collins Robert Ling III Lizzie Power Dalek Party Matthew Allen The Sir Spence Invisible Arm Craig Katie Tedley Ed Mackey Yasmeen Hoag Kay Simpak, Jaden Shepard Corey Rogers Todd Timon, Courtney Kelly Thomas Stockert Shayom Heronik Carl Hanley, Mary Beth Masson, and Sidney Stadden.